There was a part of me that was relieved that it wasn't cannibalism. So it's just like, well, it's really yes, so it's probably cannibalism. <laughs> Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. Hi, everybody. Hope you're having a great day today. I'd like to welcome you back to the Port Moody Public Library's Keep It Fictional book chat. My name is Liz and I'll be your host. Now, before I introduce our panel, I want to introduce his topic. Now, it's a topic that's near and dear to me and quite possibly has been a part of your day already. And that topic is food. What I love about food is that not only is it delicious, but it's also universal. Everything from the harvest to the preparation to eating, food is intertwined with so many aspects of our lives, from the economy and the environment to society and our culture. So no matter where you may travel, whether you're at home or abroad, food is a constant, a comfort, and also a window into how others live and a way that we can connect that transcends language and who we are. Now let's bring up my esteemed colleagues today. We have Fiona and Virginia and Sadie. Hello. Hi everybody. How's everybody doing today? Your hungry colleagues. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this yeah. lunchtime. <laughs> For those of you, yes, watching uh, live or listening live to us today, we are indeed broadcasting at our usual noon time slot. Um, so apologies in advance if we're making anybody out there hungry as well. So today I think we have quite a diverse selection of books that involve food in some capacity. Surprisingly, we don't have any cookbooks coming up, but we do have some really great picks. I'm going to start with Fiona today, if you wouldn't mind sharing your book first, because I absolutely loved your book. Excellent. Thanks, Liz. Um, so my book today is a graphic novel, and I have chosen Bloom by Kevin Panetta and uh, with pictures by Savannah Ganusho. This is a YA graphic novel um, about Ari. Ari is lost in life. He wants to go to the big city uh, and move into a house with his band. Um, but alas, he has to stay at home in his beachside town uh, to help his dad out with the uh, family business, which is a bakery. So that's where the food comes in. Ari works at his dad's bakery full time, helping him keep it afloat. Hector is the complete opposite of Ari. Uh, I found him to be quite endearing. He was grounded. He's in the seaside town um, because he is there to clear out his grandmother's old house, who has recently passed away. So Hector is responsible, capable, um, and just kind of everything that Ari is not. And wouldn't you know it, Hector loves baking. Uh, he is training to become a chef, um, and he's just on a little hiatus while he 
uh, clears out his grandmother's house. So Hector takes a job at Ari's family bakery, and that is where they meet. It's a lovely romance because it's slow and sweet, uh, and even though I found Ari to be really obnoxious, <laughs> um, Hector is a positive influence on him, and it really, it feels like, you know, it's, they struggle, um, you know, it's not like it's completely healthy, but it's, it's a really nice romance, not like one of those teen romances where you're like, oh, can you just wake up? This is ridiculous. Why are you so obsessed with each other? It's like they really are a good match, and it's lovely, um, and they pr improve each other's lives. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I guess I'm not so whimsical, like, when it comes to romance, and sometimes it makes my romance hard. Um, I do feel like I would have uh, especially have appreciated this had I found it at, like, between, like, 15 and 20, um, but it has just, like, beautiful ambiance um, and artwork and lovely characters and these amazing baking collages. Um, so they're both like, it's both them actively making realistic bakery items um, while they're sort of falling for each other. So, you know, they're kneading the dough together, uh, you know, they're watching it rise while they have these sort of moments of, uh, you know, accidentally touching or teaching each other things. Um, so that aspect was really lovely and beautiful. Um, yeah, it's a it's a sweet, lovely read. Uh, and I think, you know, despite the like sort of coastal seaside town, good for this time of year when you just need something like happy and it's all going to be all right. <laughs> so highly recommended. Uh, Liz, can you remind me, um, the graphic novel that you recommended recently. On a Sunbeam. On a Sunbeam, yeah. It feels like like On a Sunbeam mixed with What If It's Us. Wow, that's that's high praise. It's well, like, you know, like a romance that is not corny. It's like, it's really well developed. Even like I could stomach that romance. That is how, like, it's really nice. Just, it, it makes sense. It's very like natural. And yeah, like the color palette of the book, like I love the the blue and all the shades of blue. Like it's and for Virginia to say that about a romantic romance? work. That's yeah. that's definitely high praise from Virginia. So. That is just weird, but yes, I like yeah, I agree with everything Fiona said. It's it's lovely, wonderful, highly recommended. Well, for something a little bit different now, let's see what Sadie has in store for us. So I am going to be talking a book that I'm actually currently reading. So I haven't finished it yet. Um, I'm about three quarters of the way through and I am really enjoying it so far. Um, and this is a, a junior fiction novel, probably a middle grade uh, book. And it is From the Desk of Zoe Washington by Janae Marks. Um, now you might look at this cover and think, where exactly does the food come in? Why does this have anything to do with food? But if you if you look really closely, there is a cupcake on her desk. Um, so this book tells the story of Zoe Washington and Zoe absolutely loves to bake. Uh, she spent her 12th birthday that just happened in her mom's friend's bakery. She got to bake her own cupcakes, got to decorate them, uh, got to bring them home. And it was very, very exciting. Zoe also loves to watch the Food Network and the Kids Bake Challenge. Uh, the winner of last year's Kids Bake Challenge put out a cookbook that Zoe got for her birthday, and she she absolutely loves it. And she has just learned 
that auditions have just opened for the next season of the Kids Bake Challenge. So she goes to her mom and she asks her mom, please, can I sign up for this? And her mom is, isn't sure, doesn't know if she's quite ready, but makes an agreement with Zoe. So she says, if you in turn at my friend's bakery once a, once a week over the summer and she gives you a good review, then come September, we will let you sign up for this, um, for the audition for this program. So it's summertime. Zoe is really excited to start interning. Uh, she's excited to start making new cupcake flavors, maybe figure out her very own cupcake flavor. But something also happened on Zoe's 12th birthday. Uh, when she got back from the bakery, Zoe checked the mail, grabbed everything, and she was looking through it, and there was a letter addressed to her. And it came from the state penitentiary. Now, Zoe does know someone who is in the state penitentiary. She's never talked to them before. She's never heard from them before. And this is her father, Marcus. Marcus was convicted of murder. 12 years ago, 13 years ago, um, and he has been in jail jo uh, Zoe's entire life. So Zoe's very excited, very nervous, doesn't really know why she's now receiving a letter from her father when she's never, she's never heard from him before. But she goes up to a room, she opens the letter, and Marcus in it talks about how he's so happy that it's her birthday and how he, he hopes she has a wonderful day. And even though she has not responded to any of his other letters, he's going to keep writing. He's going to keep writing because this might be the one that she finally responds to. And, and it might be the time that she's, she's ready to, to build some sort of connection and relationship with him. Now Zoe's a little confused because he references other letters and Zoe has never received any other letters from him. But she decides that she's going to write back. So she writes back to him. She sneaks the letter out to the mailbox without her parents seeing. And she anxiously awaits his response. A couple weeks later, the letter finally comes. She still hasn't told her parents that she's now writing to her father in prison because she doesn't think that they would be in support of it. Uh, but in this letter, Marcus starts to tell her more about his life, more about the things that he enjoys, uh, talks to her more about how excited he was when he found out that she was going to be born. Eventually, she decides that she's going to ask him a question that she is very nervous to ask. She decides that she's going to ask him why he did what he did. So she gets up the nerve and she asks him about the crime. In response... Marcus says, I never want to lie to you. And the truth is, I'm innocent. Zoe sees this and immediately thinks he's lying. In her mind, innocent people don't go to jail. That's just not how it works. If you're guilty, then you go to jail. If you're innocent, then you don't. But Zoe really wants to believe him. So she starts looking into it a little bit more. And she discovers the number of people who are falsely convicted of crimes and more specifically, the number of Black people who are falsely convicted of crimes. So Zoe decides that she wants to help Marcus. She believes him now that she realizes that people who are innocent can actually go to jail. She decides that she wants to help him get out of jail and finally prove that he is innocent. Uh, so this is where I am in the book. Zoe has just kind of started her search uh, to figure out how she can help Marcus and how she can prove that he is innocent. Um, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's kind of, it goes back and forth between the two storylines of Zoe trying to come up with her, 
her cupcake flavor and having her internship in the bakery uh, so she can get on this show. And then on the other side, it has this story with her father. Um, I really enjoy the character of Zoe, even though she doesn't always make all of the decisions that that I would have, I think, um, in this situation. Um, but I really enjoy reading reading from her perspective and kind of seeing, seeing how she starts to learn uh, more about her father and learn more about the situation um, and also learn more about the bigger situation um, in the criminal justice system. Um, so yes, I would definitely recommend it so far. Uh, it's from the desk of Zoe Washington by Janae Marks. Thank you, Sadie. Sounds like a really interesting combination where that food brings some big joy and levity and also yeah, um, for sure. social justice yeah. issues. Well, before we continue on with our book picks for this week, I have a question for our panel here. Now, since our topic is about food, I know we've asked this of our patrons, um, but now I want to find out from you, panel, um, what are your favorite snacks while you're reading, if any, or is food a total no-no? I think the very perfect eating or reading food is chocolate-covered almonds because you can eat them in a little dish. They gotta be dark chocolate. If you eat them fast enough, they don't melt on your fingers, so there's no mess. And yeah, you don't have to like hold it while you're reading and flipping. Solid, solid choice. Now, Virginia, how about you? No, snacks is no-no. Totally off limits then. Totally off limits. Doesn't mean that I don't snack all the time, but just not when I'm reading. I don't think I would read. <laughs> it just. <laughs> Okay, Sarah. Fair enough. Uh, how about you, Sadie? Uh, tea is a must. I always have tea, and then some sort of hard cookie. Um, so kind of so something that that you won't get oil or butter or anything on your fingers. Um, anything where you have to wipe your hands off before you turn the page is is definitely a big no. Um, so yeah, something that I can just kind of pick up, eat in one bite. Um, maybe deal with crumbs, but those usually just go all over me and not all over the book. So we're okay. Very, very thoughtful. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. What about you, Liz? Do you have any snacks? I don't think I have a go-to. Um, like Fiona, I feel like I'm constantly snacking anyways uh, in my life. So I'm trying my best not to um, get the books dirty, which is a great thing about e-readers. I just want to Give a shout out to the e-readers because mm -hmm. mine's waterproof um, and also can be cleaned with a disinfectant. So I feel like that's the best of both worlds. All right. Well, now that we've got that out of the way and I'm even more hungry now, at least I am. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm struggling right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> onwards to more books. So um, I'll go ahead and share mine next. Um, now, the book I've got today is by somebody who might be well known to you if um, you've watched travel shows or food shows, um, and that's by the late, great Anthony Bourdain. Now, I got into his writing by reading uh, his very first book, Kitchen Confidential, and that book talked about um, his life. Uh, where he fell in love with food and became a chef. Just his writing style really captured me. So for today's book, I wanted to share with you a cook's tour. 
So it's Global Adventures in Extreme Cuisines. And if this one sounds familiar to you, even if you haven't read his writing, um, that may be because uh, Cook's Tour was optioned into a television series. So where the cameras followed Bourdain around as he traveled to various countries uh, and tried different food. So this one is, again, a culinary memoir, but it's also a travel memoir. So kind of sneaking in another one of my reading passions, not just food books, but also travel books. Um, and the great thing about Bourdain's writing style was that the person you saw on screen, the person with um, all these opinions um, and being bold and brash and unafraid to speak up, that's the person that comes out on the page. So his writing style is very accessible, very easy to read, very page turning. However, the beauty of his writing is that he's also very articulate and um, very vivid and descriptive. So even though this version of the Cook's Tour is in a book form, the way he describes the places that he's gone and the things that he's eaten, um, it's almost like you are right there with him. So in a Cook's Tour, he travels literally around the world. He's, he goes to Europe, Asia, and as well as back to North America in search of not only the perfect meal, but various culinary delights. Um, and true to Bourdain's style, he doesn't just go for the Michelin-starred restaurants, which are involved in the book, uh, but he also goes to a family farm. He goes and has street food. He navigates minefield-laced um, roads in Cambodia to reach a certain dish. He loads up on caviar and drinks a whole ton of vodka and then plunges into an icy outdoor bath in Russia. Some of the things that Bourdain eats on this journey, as well as some of the things that he does as well, um, they truly match who he was in, in life, or at least how he came across on the screen and through his writing. So larger than life, um, fearless, um, and also being willing to try different things while also respecting other cultures. Through this journey, he acknowledges that he's just one person and one part of this world who appreciates what's out there. And again, it doesn't have to be a Michelin-starred restaurant, only for those who can afford it. He finds delight also in street stand, out in a small town, or in a small mom-and-pop shop. So I do really recommend if you are looking to get into maybe food writing, also travel writing, and maybe want to see what Bourdain comes across like on the page, I really do recommend A Cook's Tour by Anthony Bourdain. Now, Liz, was there any experience that you read about in that book that you were especially interested in, in going to explore? Did, did any of them make you really want to go to that part of the world and try that dish or that experience? Um, well, there are some things where I just thought, oh, I would, I would never do that, but I'm so, you know, I'm so interested in reading about somebody who did, so I can kind of, um, experience it vicariously. <laughs> um, he does go to Japan in this book and eat fugu or pufferfish, which if incorrectly prepared, uh, can be poisonous. So, um, I did manage to do that, uh, on a trip to Japan. It was 
not as exciting as it came across in his, <laughs> in his book. Um, you didn't, you didn't fear for your life with every bite. No, no, I, I, I didn't. There was, it was just very anticlimactic for me, maybe because I, I read about his experience already, but yeah, definitely recommend it if um, maybe you're averse to trying certain foods, but you're still kind of curious about that. And Virginia, I understand you have not just one book for us, mm-hmm. but a number of books, so to speak. So we'll let you tell us all about that. I'm just slightly surprised that none of us pick a food manga because there are so many out there and like they're the best, the best. I think that's what sort of got me into food in general. And when Sadie was talking about Zoe who loves Food Network, who doesn't love Food Network? It's the best thing. Um, Anyway, so I've got a urban fantasy series for everybody today. And it is, of course, we have to fit some fantasy in today. And it is um, the Sindujo series, starting with the first book, Envy of Angels. And it is by Matt Wallace. Now, we've got Lena and Darren. They are young chefs and they are looking for work. But unfortunately, they got themselves blacklisted by all the high-class restaurants in Manhattan. So they are having a tough time finding a new job after they got fired from the last one. So when Out of the Blues one day, Byron Bronco Luck gave them a call and said, Hey, we're doing an event coming up and I could use some help. Are you interested in helping out? You know, like working for me for a couple of weeks is is not a full-time thing, but if you're interested, you know, I could um, hook you up with that. And they were delighted. First of all, it's a job. Any job is good. But also it is from Byron. Byron is a little bit of a celebrity in the food world. You know, he used to own a huge successful chain of gastropubs and, you know, restaurants. And uh, and now it seems like he's working more on his catering company, which is what Sindhuju is. So they're like, okay, well, great. Like, you know, we'll show up. Absolutely. So happy. But of course, when things seems a little too good to be true, it's usually too good to be true. So they show up at the headquarters, they got their meet and greet, and they were told that they're actually catering for a really important diplomatic event. There were two rival, shall we say, families who have finally agreed to a truce. They have finally agreed to coexist together in peace. So to celebrate this historic event, they're going to have this giant banquet and celebration. And so you have to get everything right because you don't want any like bad orders to start any fights or give anyone any excuse to do so. So serious stuff here. And usually Sinduju has their own stocking team. So what the stocking team does is it does procure all the ingredients for the catering company. Now, Sinduju being a very exclusive company and serving very unique clients, usually they ask for things that are not your common variety, like not your usual meat and vegetables. They, they want something special. They want something rare, exotic, hard to find, maybe even a little dangerous to find. Maybe that's why they even have a demolition expert on the team for the stocking team. But this time for this event, they don't need to find their own ingredients because the clients have provided that to them. So here they are on the first day of the job in the receiving bay along with everybody else that works for the catering company and they are watching this 
giant crate get unloaded. And there's this guy there. He dressed kind of like a man in black type kind of guy. And he's like with his team trying to pry open this crate. And the first thing they see when there's a little bit of a gap is this blinding light that just like blinded all of them. And when they finally adjusted to it and they the, the thing gets opened up, they were shocked. They were all speechless, just staring at what's inside. And the man in back line is like, hey, the clients would like you to use every part of this for the banquet. Every single part. So are we good, Bronco? And Bronco is like, yeah, we're good. And of course, everyone that was standing there knows this is not good. Not good at all because what they are staring at, no question, no doubt in their mind, even if it looks nothing like what they imagine, is a live angel. And all of them are just starting wondering like, wait, especially Lena and Darren, who's the first day on the job, is like, wait, what's happening? What kind of, what kind of company is this? What, what kind of clients? Wait, are these people going to... Are we, are we cooking an angel? Are we going to eat an angel? And of course, the culinary curiosity start kicking in like, how do you cook an angel? What, what, what does, wait, what does angel taste like? And then it goes back to the, what is happening here? Like, why, why, what is going on? Why is there a live angel standing right in front of us? And so if you want to find out the answers to all those questions, you have to read The Envy of Angels. First book in the series. It's a complete series. There's seven books. And it is a fun, funny, outrageous, as you can imagine, series um, with the kind of humor that is like everything is, you know, like fair game. Maybe not angel meat, but everything is like on the table, you know, like nothing is off limits. And like many good series, it has a really unique cast of characters. The side characters, the main characters, they're all so much fun um, and really well developed and diverse in every definition of that word. Um, so if you're looking for something light for this year, there is a good, nice series to get into. So uh, Sinduju series by Matt Wallace. I love how that's light. We're just we're just gonna cook and eat an angel. Just just some sort of nice light. It is totally light. <laughs> there was a part of me that was relieved that it wasn't cannibalism. So it's just like, well, it's written yes, so it's probably cannibalism. Maybe there is. There is seven books in the series, so I, I think Kareen believes that it's cannibalism. <laughs> You have to eat angels to eat angels, so that's true. Maybe I don't know. You find out the whole logistical, moral, ethical debate here. I'm sure we could go <laughs> go on with it. <laughs> that sounds super interesting. Thanks, Virginia. Well, I really enjoyed hearing about all of your books today, and I hope all of our listeners and viewers did as well. Now I think it is time to treat yourself to some lunch or a delicious snack. And we hope you'll join us again for another Keep It Fictional book chat back here with the Port Moody Public Library. Thanks, everybody. Bye, Bye. for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. Mm-hmm.